Hey, welcome to Rock Rit, episode 27. My name is Armin Savagin. I'm the host. It is really good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. This episode marks a Rock Rit first. We're talking to someone who isn't a rock critic or a fanzine publisher, although it turns out our guest did do a fanzine in the 80s. You likely know John Worcester as a longtime member of the band's Super Chunk and the Mountain Goats. Dude is an exceptionally gifted drummer. He's also played on a ton of other fine records that no doubt reside in your collection. And for the past 25 years, he has been one half of the amazing comedy duo Sharpling and Worcester, who can be heard on the long-running podcast radio show, The Best Show. I can't begin to describe the pleasure I've gotten over the years listening to John call into the show as one of his delightfully unhinged characters. Sharpling and Worcester references are a huge part of our family's shared humor, and it's indeed something special to hear my wife chortle to John in character as Philly Boy Roy or Zachary Brimstead Esquire or Hammerhead or Darren Ploppleton or any one of his unforgettable characters. He may be the funniest man alive. He's certainly the funniest man in indie rock. I've listened to my fair share of podcast interviews with John over the years, and it's obvious his deep knowledge of underground music also extends to fanzines and rock mags. So I thought, wouldn't it be great to have John on the show to geek out with him about this stuff? And magically, he was game. I'm so glad he was up for chatting. So please enjoy this interview with the one and the only John Worcester on Rock Rit. I've heard you on a bunch of interviews. You've done a whole bunch on the Turn Out a Punk podcast with uh, with Damien. And each one of those interviews, you would talk about, you would just kind of casually mention different fanzines and magazines. So you'd you talk about Iron Robinson, Trouser Press, and New York Rocker, and Byron Coley. And I thought, this is a guy who's probably spent a lot of time consuming music fandom over the years and probably has some cool insights and perspectives. So I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to talk to John Worcester about fanzines and music mags? So thank you for being game to do this. Let's do it. Before I start, I it kind of occurred to me, I was thinking about you and some of your connections, but there's actually three people that you are closely associated with who have done fanzines. Well, to- Tom Sharpling had a fanzine called 18 Wheeler. Yes. Uh, you got one. Before, before I even met him, um, uh, associated with, let me think about this. Uh, I'm trying to think of any of the mountain goats <laughs> had, had fanzines. I don't think so. Uh, and Bob Mold, Bob oh, yeah, Mold. Yes, have... yeah, yeah. It's Bob Mold. What? What was the fanzine? So Bob Mold was involved with Your Flesh fanzine in the oh, beginning. Okay. Peter, so back yeah. in Minneapolis. Okay. Just for the first few issues, and then he bailed. Oh, I think kind of okay, sold his interest that. in it for a couple bucks. Yeah. Peter Davis. That's Peter Davis. Yes. 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 First wild guest of the show. Nice guy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one. Is there more. a third? A third there's a third. One. Someone, uh, someone I actively. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're, you'll probably see him tomorrow. I never saw a print issue of this either, so it's it's maybe not fair. It's John Darnielle's last plane to Jakarta. Oh, I think of that as as, as like a uh, a webzine. It's a web. Yeah, I guess <laughs> there were some print issues apparently, but yes, oh, all I know of oh, it yeah. is, the, is the webzine. Okay. But um, but yes, absolutely. Yes, and uh. A, a friend and I had a very, we thought it was funny, a funny fanzine in the uh, mid '80s. This would have been 1985, uh, called Maximum Rock and Raul, which which was <laughs> which was very close to to that. Uh, is it called Hard Times? Is that is that the uh, there was the a hard, hard out of Jersey? I think 
this is something else. There was a great print fanzine called uh, Hard Times, which I actually, I think I did a, a blurb for the book edition that came out last year. Uh, and um, there's a, there's a kind of like an, an Onion-esque punk rock uh, site. I, th I think it's called The Hard Times. It is, or yes, that's right. The okay. current, absolutely. Yeah, well, our, our Maxim Rock and Roll was that, whatever, 30 years ago. Making <laughs> so, fun, like kind of, Oh yeah, fun at the scene yeah. and kind of yeah, yeah, tropes of maximum yeah. rock and roll and yeah, I, I don't know, I God, I haven't seen an issue in forever. I think we we must have done at least four of them. That's amazing. I've never heard you know in all my like googling you and finding out stuff about you, I'd never come across that or heard about no. it. No, that's amazing. No, maximum Jeff, Jeff, the guy I did it with, he went on to have a a pretty successful zine in the nineties. Uh, it was like a um, what'd you call it? Almost like a uh gentleman's kind of tiki culture sort of magazine called Barracuda huh. lasted for, for many years. And, uh, uh, I don't think he does it anymore, but, uh, cool. I will have to check that out. That's amazing. Now, were you a maximum rock and roll kid at some point? Or oh yeah. Know. Oh yeah. I, yeah. um, I got into the hardcore scene in God, probably, the summer before my senior year of high school, I think. Hmm. So we're talking like, well, maybe like late 82, early 83. I, I didn't see a, a show until May of 83. And that was the dead Kennedys. Uh, and, uh, and Good for uh, show toxic reasons and autistic behavior in, uh, and, and, a very arty town called new hope, Pennsylvania, which is, which is where I think Wiener from. But before I, started going to shows i was a very rabid consumer of maximum rock and roll and flip side and um what else was happening then um there was there was a really good zine from dc called truly needy yes truly needy and that that was really good i remember that and and uh jet lag out of st louis so i, I was getting sort of all this news and yeah, you know, you'd see a review of someone or or a you know an article in a band, and you and you'd go buy the record having no idea what they would sound like. Yes, and uh, and usually it 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 paid off. You weren't often disappointed. Rarely, yeah. I was a lot more. I, I don't know. I think I was easily pleased. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> Were you impressionable? So I'm thinking of myself in my teens, reading Maximum Rock and Roll. And for a bunch of years, liking only hardcore punk with a few kind of like very few things outside of that, because mm. that's 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 who I was. That's where a lot of kids were. We were just impressionable. So anything outside of that, anything with a barcode on it was suspect. Mm. Were you that I, kind of purist or were you no, more I, independent I was, minded than that? I was pretty independent. I, I loved I always say I loved millions of dead cops as much as I loved the three o'clock. Like I Amazing. loved I loved both sides of it. And Tom Sharpling has this funny story of, I sometimes get the, the two records wrong, but my, my version of the story is he bought Husker Du's Zen Arcade. And, um, and <laughs> I want to say it was like, um, oh fuck, who was the band? Um, uh, Blamange. Blamange was this kind of like synth. Synth band from, from the 80s. They, I think they had one hit. I think th their hit was on the Valley Girl soundtrack. Okay. And so, but like not punk at all. And yes. so, and for, you know, our joke was that it's music. I love music. So 
I was very much like that also where um, I, I really didn't like heavy metal. I didn't like hair metal. I didn't like any of that stuff, but, but I loved, uh, you know, I, I love, I'm trying, I, I brought some uh, magazines here. Hey, like, oh, I, amazing. I loved hard times. I loved hard government. Time, excellent. Issue. I loved government issue uh, as much as I loved um, let's active. Yeah. You know? So, Absolutely. um, so, it all kind of fell under the umbrella of new, whatever you want to call it, new music. That's what we new used to music, call it. New music, new wave yeah. at the time, I guess, too, and punk. It's cool. I, it's amazing that you're able to like move between these worlds because with a lot of music fanzines, there's there's a snobbishness, and and you guys, you and Tom, capture this really well, and the best show as well, too. Like right. those, you've got these characters who are just these spoofs of these hardcore purists. That just, you know, somebody wearing an REM shirt gets a punch in the back of the head at a show. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you you guys never bought into this. You moved between these worlds really well and said, there's no reason why I can't, like, let's active in DBs and also, yeah, just totally mosh at an MDC show. Yeah, it's all, it's all, uh, it, it's all good. And uh, what was I going to say? Keep talking. There was something I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll remember it. Were you ever... Were you subscribing to these things like Maxim Rock and Roll, Jetlag? Where would you pick these things up in uh, in Pennsylvania? You were in Philly or just outside of Philly? I was, I I was in the farmlands outside of Philly. So it, I mean, mm -hmm. it was only thirty five miles. But but back then there wasn't this super highway which they've got now, which is called the Blue Route, which which gets you to that area into the city way faster. So it it, it was like, it was like another world. Like it, it uh, yeah. you know. Uh, so maybe 35 miles northwest of Philly. So, but um, th there was a really good um, record store called Third Street Jazz, Third Street Rock and Jazz in, in Center City, Philly. So that's where we would get our records. Um, and my memory is they must have had fanzines there. Or maybe I would have borrowed them um, from my friends who were starting a band called the Dead Milkmen. Oh, yeah. And so the, the drummer Dean and I, he's, he's maybe, maybe four years older than me. And um, we knew each other when I was just starting high school. And um, he had a band, um, a duo that was called Narthex and Narthex would open for a band I was playing in several times, which was called hair club for men. So this was 1981 <laughs> hair club for men. I was, I was in maybe my first year of high school and it was kind of like Ramones plasmatics clash and, and and some originals too so th that was how i met dean his band would play with us and then right when he was starting the, the dead milkman he, he would let me come over to his house which which was uh maybe 15 20 minutes away and i'd watch the dead milkman practice and and sometimes we go we'd go into sh into philly to shows together and i'm sure i would buy fanzines there there would be people selling zines there was a really good one in philly uh called um god what was it called um it was put out by by a guy who is now a successful booking agent his name is todd cote c-o-t-e hmm. and uh he books swans and and people like that and um what's the zine called uh i'll think of it yeah, but yeah. It, was, it was a really good philly zine uh you know that would cover local stuff and uh all the shows and there were a lot of great shows then too like ev everybody would play the all ages venues there. So um, it was kind of an endless stream of, of great shows and people would sell zines there. And that's where I, I would usually get those zines. 
I know I'm jumping ahead, but I, I moved to uh, northern New Jersey in early 86, and I joined a, a roots rock band from down here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and we ended up getting signed to, to Arista Records in, in early 86. Mm-hmm. And so we moved up there, and I would go I- into the city, and, and there was an, an amazing uh, zine shop there called See Here, S-E-E, oh, yeah. Here. And so I would go there all the time. And so that's pretty much where I bought all my, all my zines for probably until it closed, you know, whenever ever, ever I would go back to, to uh, New York to play a show with super chunk or whoever, I'd always go there and get a stack of stuff. Yeah. I, I never got a chance to go to see here. I tried once when I was in New York one weekend, he owed me money for some zines he had not paid me for. So I wanted <laughs> to go for that, but also to just check out the store, but I never found it. But yeah, you would have missed it. It was my memory is it was it was down some steps and tiny. You would never know it was there. Yeah. yeah, amazing that at some point in the history, in all history, there was a place that could sell zines and survive for a bunch of years. That's insane. Well, maybe he didn't pay anyone else. <laughs> uh, I, he's paid some. I've chatted with some people. He's paid some, but yeah, he's yeah. Depends how far you lived in Toronto. Right. You're an 18, 19 year old kid. You're probably not gonna. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when you picked up a zine was there i always went for the review section first that's where i would when i pick up a zine i'd usually like read the whole thing but i always yeah. made a beeline for the reviews to see like what should i think of picking up and save my money for how about you do you remember like instinctively what you would do when you pick up something i would look for live show reviews okay yeah yeah, yeah. So that that was always always what I, I I was interested in, uh, and just to see what bands looked like too. Like you would <laughs> look because you wouldn't you weren't seeing pictures of most of these bands unless you you saw them. Yeah. So it's like you, know, you get a zine and what does what does Fang look like now? <laughs> you know that 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 sort of thing. And uh, dodgy, dodgy. I remember. Oh, very, very. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would just devour them. Like I I, I would buy Hard Times in, in the city. And then I would take the train back home, you know, on Sunday, Sunday night to go do my, my job on the graveyard shift at a, a toothpaste packaging plant. And uh, I, I would just read whatever zine I had cover to cover. There were no distractions then either. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was no, no cell phone to keep looking at every two seconds. You were just focused on, I need, I'll, I'm going to learn everything I can about uh, Frightwig. tell me a little bit about maximum rock and roll so it was what was the format it sounded like it mocked maximum rock and roll kind of orthodoxies or what what was the feel of it it, well it kind of just made fun of of that whole that whole scene which we were very much a part of we loved it so it was basically basically just kind of making fun of ourselves too like like we (laughs) my memory is we took we we put we were we were kind of assholes in this way in, in that we would <laughs> i remember we had a page that was it was a photo of the dead milkman it was a photo of like jello biafra and two other people who who all had stage names and we just like printed what their names their real names were yeah like it was it was <laughs> it, it was so not cool and then we we would do these reviews of these fake shows that happened and you know, so like people were, would read this thing. Like, when did that happen? Like when, when did minor threat and and the circle jerks and black flag all play, you know, in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, you know, which is, 
in the middle of nowhere. So it, it was a lot of stuff like that. Nothing was too extreme other than that thing about Oh, I do remember I, this is a great memory where I, I gave I gave the guys in Corrosion of Conformity a a copy of it and it had a review of their then new album, which was called Animosity. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it's got some very like weird lead guitar sort of stuff. It's almost out of tune because he's Woody was really like kind of bending the strings and stuff. And so something like the first sentence was whatever. Black Flag meets Black Sabbath, but forgets to tune up before the tape starts rolling. <laughs> and I, I remember like them reading it and like watching their eyes. One of the, it was probably Woody. Their eyes just go across a sentence and then, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so it was all in fun though. I love it. That's awesome. You're, I mean, you're a musician, obviously. You're a drummer. You're a vocational drummer. Were you drawn to people who could write intelligently about music and maybe drumming specifically? There aren't many. Um, yeah, I gotta say, uh, it's hard. Yeah, especially like you know, in I I, I was gonna call it straight media, but I guess I'll say non non drumming media. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. So yeah, it's weird. It's like I've been in Super Chunk for thirty some years, and I feel like I mentioned in ten percent of the reviews at this point. <laughs> it's so bizarre to me. But but it's funny. Like every now and then there will be writers who will kind of take notice like this uh this this guy robert Criscow, who's you know who's like the of course yeah the dean of rock journalism and he, for some reason he has taken he took a shine to my drumming over the years and and would would mention me in in reviews of like bob mold or super chunk or the mountain goats and, I, and that, that that means more to me than almost anything so yeah yeah so it was like oh the kind of the right guy kind of likes it and gets it so that's that's cool <laughs> hey, dave sprague from trouser house trouser press called you uh, called your drumming emphatic thumping or something that's like right. that on, that's a, right. on the mouth so yeah. much respect there as well too i do remember that yeah yeah <laughs> totally were you ever into like forced exposure that kind of like oh yeah yeah i loved it yeah what like uh, uh, did you like some of that like some of that music no, is kind of like no yeah like are you I like anything about music that you're not even into the music itself? I liked almost none of the, of the music, but yeah. but I I knew all about it from because of the great writing they would do. So yes. amazing, and uh, I would just read it cover to cover, and, and have interest in literally ten percent of what they were talking <laughs> about. But, but I loved it, and um, yeah, I I have very vivid memories of uh, touring in you know the late eighties, early nineties in vans. And just like, that's all I read was forced exposure. And, and I knew, I knew what 10% of the stuff sounded like. (laughs) Absolutely. Like you're not interested in picking up this free jazz drone thing. No, but it's compelling reading. Oh yeah. And all, most of my favorite music documentaries are about artists. I have no interest in, or maybe have never even heard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like there, there's a really great one about the uh, the punk rock scene in Little Rock, Arkansas, from like mid '80s to late '90s or something. Mm-hmm. Couldn't I couldn't name a band. I've watched this thing <laughs> at least ten times because it's so. It's I don't know for some reason it's I, I love it. There's there's a great documentary about <laughs> about this scene I've never heard of. I never heard anyone talk about then or since in, in L.A. Uh, the, the documentary is available anywhere. It's, it's all over the place. It's called uh, In Heaven There Is No Beer. 
And it's mm. basically a, about this scene that took place in, I guess, the late 90s, early aughts in like downtown LA, like an indie rock, punk rock. I've I'd never, I've heard of one of the bands and they talk about 70 of them. Wow. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. I'm fascinated by things that people are so excited about that the world or even the city has never heard of. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, 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 that's really interesting to me. That's crazy because like you, I get a sense that you know a lot about music more than the average music person even, like quite a bit more. So it's pretty remarkable that there's these micro scenes across the planet that yeah. it's impossible to really learn about outside of oh, yeah. maybe a random documentary. Absolutely. Cream. Did you like cream at all? Absolutely. I think I, have a, I got a cream here. What? I, I buy I buy these when I see them. This is uh, March 80, the uh, winner's uh, poll issue. Ooh. Winners. Uh, ZZ I, I don't see them. It was a big, big year for Cheap Trick, Zeppelin, The Who, Blondie, The Knack, The Cars, and Saturday Night Live. And, and probably The Clash, too. This is where I, I really kind of got first heard about The Clash was from Cream. Yeah. Uh, around 79 or 80. And uh, oh, I loved it. I have a funny cream story where um, before I was even into rock that much, so this is probably, I was probably just getting into Kiss, so it would have been like 76 or something. And somehow my older brother, he's two years older, he got a copy of a cream magazine. And it was a Christmas issue, and there were these, these now sort of iconic photos of Kiss uh, holding these candles and there's snow. It's like a snow, a Christmas scene. That's what the set is like. And, uh, mm. but I guess somewhere in this article, someone, I'll never forget it. Someone used the term, I, I can curse on this, right? Can I curse? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it was basically so-and-so sucks cocks in hell. Uh -huh. And it was a phrase I'd never heard. And so, for some dumb reason, like I showed it to my dad <laughs> and my dad just like was, it was up in arms. And I have a vivid memory of him throwing the cream into the fireplace. <laughs> and stoking it uh but but then I, I i loved cream and it was such a weird magazine for a kid to read too because like you didn't get half of it all the captions were making fun of the of the artist and you didn't really get that for you know in, until you thought about it a little bit and you know the the, the writing was so snarky and so vague like hard, sometimes not even mentioning what it was reviewing so totally totally you know but yeah. uh, it's great it's great. And I've, I've gone on to become really good friends with uh, one of the writers from the heyday, uh, Jan Uhelski is her oh, name. Oh, she's, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And she's in, all, she's in all these cream documentaries and she, she's become one That's of right. my best friends. And she, she has been a real help to me over the years in a lot of like personal growth uh, areas. <laughs> That's, wow. That's remarkable. That's amazing. Yeah. And Cream is relaunched as well too. So mm -hmm. there's this like limited edition print version yeah. and they've, they've got, they've kind of brought the online archives. Uh, yeah, and I, th and I think she's involved in it too, I think. I think so, yeah, yeah. For some reason I've been doing a lot of interviews lately and I think I did one with the new Cream last week. Are you all, serious? Of all things, yeah. It was about the, um, uh, you know, the origins of the indie rock scene here in North Carolina. Just, it was, it was kind of a, this place had a real heyday back in the late 80s and all through the 90s. That hasn't really been documented that that well. So I think I think that's what this guy was was doing. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned we were talking about forced exposure and you mentioned The Clash. And I know London Calling is one of your favorite albums. On Twitter the other week, I posted this forced exposure 
review of like the story of the clash best of kind of double <laughs> yeah. album thing and howard wolfing who's like a, like a well-known rock critic musician guy was basically just pissing on the clash saying like they don't have any song better than like anything like beyond passable did you when you would see that kind of thing as a guy with more kind of universal tastes would you talk back would you would you say like that's ridiculous that's or were you into um, the hyperbole a bit well, it's it's interesting at, at that point in time, and I I know it's funny to 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 be thirty years beyond this now. Um, there there are so many things like that that were so uncool in you know the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, it's interesting to think of the Clash as being not cool. The Ramones yeah. weren't kind of weren't cool then either, you know. Yes. And and like I remember at the time, the Replacements quit ninety one. They weren't cool, cool either. Yeah. And yeah. now it's all cool. It is, yes. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and like, I, I know people who were who were like, the replacements, they suck. Who, who you know, who who now have, and these are people that were in bands and by, by they liked the replacements early on. Yeah. But then, you know, once they became, you know, what they became, not so much anymore. And and yeah. were very vocal about how they sucked. <laughs> and, and now it's like, let's do a replacements cover. So- it's it's interesting how cyclical that is, and I think at the time, that particular clash review, I, I probably just thought, oh, these guys are just like they're this is their brand. There's yeah, no way they're gonna like this. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because I've seen other reviews of by Howard Wolfling like years later in like Your Flesh, where he's like comparing stuff favorably to the Clash. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, and that review he. It is kind of their identity, isn't it? Because like that yeah. review was was an opportunity to, and I love Howard Wolfing for the record, but it's an opportunity to dump on the Clash, but also Lester Bangs and Bruce Springsteen in the same review as well to just take them all down. Right. And in right. this masterful, there's yeah. something attractive about it, though, right? Like there's there's kind of an art to it. Like it's easy oh, totally. and cheap, but like if it's well done, it's like wow, that like I disagree, but man, that was masterful. Oh yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite books. It's it's by Jimmy Gutterman and somebody else, and it's called like the the worst records of all time. Yeah, uh, it came out pr probably in, in the late '80s, early '90s. But it's 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 basically these incredibly funny, harsh reviews of like real records, not like not like William Shatner, you know, it, like actual records, like the the Rolling Stones live album that came out in 81 still life. And it's just like any record that begins with an apology, you know, it is, <laughs> and it's basically the, the apology is Bill Graham saying, thank you so much for waiting. Yeah. Jersey. You know, please. So uh, <laughs> it's just stuff like that. And I, I, I love that, that kind of stuff where it's, it's someone who's, who's taking down, you know, like, Mount Rushmore or something of rock where it's, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and doing it really creatively. I, yes. I, I do love that. And, you know, I've, I've been on the receiving end of, of that too. I remember there was a scene that was out of Minneapolis. And for some reason, this guy, this was, this was like 92 or so. He really didn't like my drumming. It was like, I, I made super chunk too professional now really didn't like that and he really slammed me and Dave Grohl in the same review like we were we were examples of of like how professional drummers kind of don't belong in this <laughs> in this world in this scene so 
not bad company, you know, but, uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's a remarkable, uh, compliment. Did you take it to heart? Did you feel like I got, I got to get sloppier a little bit. I'm going to listen to my, uh, no, I, rem albums. I remember actually starting to write, a, a a rebuttal. And then my roommate at the time, he read it and, and he just goes, I, I don't think you want to do this. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't. So, yeah. You know, so and he was probably right. You know, it could it could have been one of those. Uh, do you know? Do you know about this? This uh, it was a label in the late '90s, early aughts called Bobsled Records. I don't know if they had anyone who was like a claim to fame. Like, but but this guy named Bob, whatever, he put out these records, and he, he put out a record by a band whose name was escaping me, but they had a big record release party in Chicago. That's where they're from, and. He he emails them the next day, just ripping them for everything they did wrong at the record re release show. Wow! And and of course, this email just gets unleashed into the world. <laughs> and, and I'm sure you can find it. And I haven't read it in probably five years, but it was so it's so funny. It's like, do you think Mick Jagger stands at the merch table at his record release show? <laughs> no one should see you before the show. That that kind of thing. So. I bring that up so so uh, whatever I said earlier doesn't make it out into the world as a supremely embarrassing quote. <laughs> oh, jeepers! Do you? I mean, you're you're playing in a number of bands uh, these days. Do you actively seek out? You're like, I wonder what Magnet said about us. Never. Look I kind of don't care anymore. Yeah. I I used to really care, and I just you just sort of get to a point where you don't. You know. Yeah, it's weird. Like I I I I don't search my name or anything for that stuff it, it I, I figured the good stuff will come to me if i if, if i meant to see it and uh that's it yeah no that's totally yeah. fair do you have any favorite you've read a lot of rock criticism music journalism do you have any favorite cliches like buzzsaw guitars oh the guitar worst jack, one anything that the worst one is 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 a word that's never used in, in actual conversation yeah a and it, it's rollicking <laughs> it's in so many reviews like that that rollicking piano that paul griffin plays on like a rolling stone or that yeah. rollicking uh <laughs> you know mike mills ni mike mills nimble bass playing nimble is a great one nimble is yes bass playing <laughs> especially nimble yeah maybe drumming yes absolutely yeah there's no escaping them though eh? like even really good rock writers who usually don't fall into that trap they start using those words yeah the worst one for Super Junk is always um, stalwart. Because you guys have been around for a while. Stall You're like the, the plotting on kind of. Do you keep up with music writing these days? Are there places online that you go? Well, I have, I have people, people just send me stuff constantly all day. So whether I want to know about it or not, I know about it. You know, uh, just like, like funny, whatever, funny articles, something, some someone in the current uh, version of rat said that was ridiculous <laughs> or whatever, you know what I mean? So, and I'm constantly scrolling Twitter and just seeing what people are talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Do you miss being able to pick up like a print scene, going to see here or tower records and just being able to just grab a bunch of things and. Well, no, because, you know, back then there was no other option. It was just, yep. you had, you had magazines, you know, and, um, I don't know. It's a lot. It's just a lot easier to look at your phone now. Uh, and but I, it doesn't keep me from buying as many cream magazines as I as I can at uh, 
what's it called? Bl Blue Arrow Records in in Cleveland. Somehow it's like the only store in the world that has back issues of cream. A oh, man. massive supply of cream magazines. And I'll I'll buy all of them when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> so have you kept a lot I've seen a lot of your fanzines in the picture. Have you kept a lot of your old back issues of things? I, I, I kept almost everything. I've I've got a couple storage units that have a lot of stuff and I live in the world's tiniest house. So my plan is to move to a bigger house someday where I can have it all. And cause I never get to look at any of it anymore. You know, it's all just sort of packed away, but, but I also don't want to get rid of it either. Cause I, I know I'll like it still, you know, of like course, I'll know absolutely. I'll, when I'm 70, I'll, 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 that's what I'll be doing. I'll be reading all this stuff. <laughs> You've done some music journalism. You've done some music writing for, is it alternative press or magnet? And well, a bunch of different the, places. Yeah, I, I get approached a lot to uh, just to write random things. Like people know what I like and what I'm interested in. And and they'll say, oh, like um, I used to write a lot for Modern Drummer Magazine uh, back in the aughts before my touring really, really kicked in. And um, over the years, my editor, uh, Adam, um, he, he's not there anymore, but he, he was there for a decade at least. And every now and then he would say, Hey, uh, I'm looking for someone to interview Rat Scabies. Yeah. And it's like, yes, please. Uh, uh, Hugo Burnham from Gang of Four uh, did, did that and all, all kinds of stuff like that. So, wow. or like uh, a friend of mine asked me to interview Ed Stasium a, a, a couple months ago for um, Record Store Day uh, about the Ramones. And it's like, I want to know everything there is to know about the Ramones. So, yeah. So it's uh, I I think it's on recordstoreday.com or wherever. But it's just like we went so deep, and I just love that. At some point, I I would love to do a podcast like that. That's basically just the stuff I want to know. Yeah. You know that. But I don't know if anyone else wants to know wants to go <laughs> that deep with any of this stuff. So maybe someday. I'd listen. You know, like, I want to know who who played the acoustic guitar on on uh, Don't Come Close on on Road to Ruin. <laughs> it was him it was ed but uh, so i love i love that kind of minutiae so yeah people will, will ask me to 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 write stuff like that like a lot of I, I get a lot of death articles <laughs> like uh when grant hart died rolling stone asked me to write that uh neil pert uh you know stuff like that and and sometimes it's something i don't really know about but i'll i'll as a challenge i'll want to I want to do it like like I was never a huge Gang of Four fan. I I I, I respected them and I but like it, it was never melodic enough for me. But but I went on this deep dive in into the catalog and really you know learned what they were all about and how they played and talking to Hugo. I learned so much more. So it's it's a really good it, like if it's something I feel I need to know about, even if I might not be into it, I'll I'll do it. I'm here to learn. You're here to yeah, absolutely and, and to teach. You teach. We learn along with you. Absolutely. We have we have we have a a, a joke in Super Chunk. Uh, are, are we going to play a? Uh, I don't know what we call the other set. Do we play like a a a, a, a fan set or or a teaching set? And the <laughs> teaching set is like really obscure stuff that you know that most people aren't going to like. And what are your favorites to play? I like to see people get into it. Like I I. Yeah. We we had 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 a little bit of a it wasn't tenseness but on this last super chunk tour I think we opened with five new songs which I don't 
I don't <laughs> think people should have to sit through five new songs at the top of a set. I like I like I like a, a good mix, but I like I, I I would prefer to see people excited about a song we're playing. You know that they yeah know. yeah entertainment's not a bad thing, but yeah, getting people into new songs also a mm -hmm. good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, throwing in a flag of democracy cover, why not? Super chunk. You've done never that. did never did an FOD song. A democracy cover. We've done we've done a lot of hardcore covers. Negative approach, corrosion of conformity, misfits, ruin from Philly, weirdos, Minutemen. For a while, we were doing it like a song, like a local song in each town. We did a Fang song in San Francisco. So good. Uh, <laughs> um, stuff like that. So that's amazing. In which tour van would you say has the liveliest kind of conversations around music? Just the most fun around like don't play that and just like strong opinions or are you all None just really really nice and kind of everyone's everyone's nice the, the only uh, like we don't really listen to music and it's interesting with bob mold the, the the gear goes in a truck and the three of us jason bob and i will go in a car hmm. and we all just have our have our headphones on or or whatever yeah. no one's really it's not communal. And I, I remember, I think it was in hard times, uh, interview with Husker Du back in the eighties. And, and they, they asked what, what they listened to. And I think as Bob goes, Oh no, the radio stays off. <laughs> and so, cause you, you need, you need quiet or, and this is, this is a reason Tom Sharpling and I, our, our thing kind of got out there. We would do these, these calls back on FMU when we first started where I'd play these characters and, you know, and, and we'd have these conversations and we'd take call, calls from callers who were listening in who didn't know it was a, a bit. And we'd put cassettes of this together and, and we'd give them to bands on the road. So this is, this is like late 90s. We'd give a, a tape to Guided by Voices and Spoon and Slater Kinney and bands like that. And they, they were like us. They played all night playing music. Their ears are fried. They don't want to listen to music in the van on the drive. So they would listen to these cassettes that we made. Yeah. And so that's that's how a lot of a lot of that got out, and that's what Super Trunk would do. Also, we would listen to all those tapes that were you know that were getting out there. Then the Two Bar and uh, all the Jerky Boy stuff and um, uh, Shut Up Little Man, all those tapes. Neil Hamburger. Uh, so that that's what we would listen to back then. Uh, Mountain Goats. We tour in a bus and. No one likes loud music, which which is so great for me. You know, like no one parties or well, listen. Sometimes we used to smoke. This is like ten years ago. Our first bus tour, we would smoke weed and just listen to like dub. It was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah, every now and then someone will bring up, oh, I heard this and it was great, and and, and they'll send the link on the phone. So it's 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 very it's still very private. Like each person is listening to whatever yeah. the other other person thought they'd like, but privately on their headphones. Totally, totally. Do you read other things, non-music stuff, or do you listen to like books on the road as well? I love, um, I finally went for YouTube premium two weeks ago and it's changed my life. I, I love like psychological stuff, like uh, interrogation videos where like someone's brought into a questioning room for like a crime. And I just love to watch for like an hour, like how they, how it, how they start and how it changes and then like where it ends up and, and body language, uh, experts, <laughs> you know, will like do it. It's, it's, uh, whatever it's Johnny Depp and Amber Heard and like analyzing their body language or John Wayne Gacy or these, you know, very, you know, uh, 
notorious people. And so I, I, I love stuff like that. For some reason, that, that's really intriguing to me. Or, or I'll, like right now, there's this guy who has done these very extravagant, well-made, hours-long documentaries on on specific Rolling Stones albums, like how they were made. And and like the, the, the research is amazing. I don't think it's monetized at all. So I don't know how this guy is making this money but it's like for for like at least 10 different classic albums so i i love stuff like that too that like doesn't require a whole lot of thought like i'll have it on in the background or like while i'm working on a best show call or something and so i uh i love I, I love stuff like that i'm trying to think if there are any zines like from back in the day that that like are are like unknown now that that were really great that uh Think of you want me to throw out some names and see if yeah, you, yeah, please, if you please. think they rock, rock, or rule? Yeah. Trouser Press. Rule. rule. Oh, and this is, this is kind of funny. Um, When my, my now ex-girlfriend and I moved to Brooklyn in early 2008, we realized maybe a week later that Ira Robbins is our backyard neighbor. Our backyard went, went right into Ira's, yeah. And, and That's so amazing. We hung out a little bit, not... Not a ton. I think I, I was just touring so much, but he, he's a great guy. That 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 uh, is such a huge magazine for, you know, for me, for everybody I know, you know, just, oh, yeah. just what a because because th that was really th that was the most available zine besides cream where I lived. Like I, I, I could go 20 minutes to the mall and they would have trouser press. Yes. And and yeah, just a, a, a hugely influential zine. All right. Keep going. Ugly things. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, Have you ever finished an entire issue of Ugly absolutely Things? Absolutely not. No. Okay. And, and, and I think the only, the, my entree into Ugly Things was, was there was two of them, these amazingly deep interviews with, there was one with Johnny Ramone. It was the first interview with Johnny Ramone I'd ever seen where it was like, oh, wow, this is stuff. I've never, like, they, those guys never talked about. So this is like, this is probably like early 2000s or maybe mid 2000s or so. And uh, no, when did he die? He died in like 06, maybe? Might've been late 90s then. A and uh, so like, that was insanely great. And then there was a great one with, with Doyle from the, no, I'm sorry, Jerry from the Misfits. Yes, early, and, also late 90s, mid, mid yeah. 90s issue, in, I think. In, in, insanely deep. So that, that's yeah. what I love about Ugly Things. It's like, oh, wow, I'll, everything you would ever want to know about Colored Balls, the band <laughs> Colored Balls. Never heard all, all these obscure okay. bands. Yeah. They go a little too deep sometimes, but amazing. Bless them. Yeah. Yeah. The guy, Mike Stacks, makes a living doing ugly things. Did you know that? I, I would hope he, he does, because that's, a, is, that's yes, a big... He is, he is paying the bills doing ugly things. God bless yeah. him. Motor Booty. Were you ever into Motor oh! Booty? Oh! Fabulous magazine. Um, I think I've got them all. I don't have yeah. them here, but but uh, oh yeah, incredibly well done, super smart, super funny. Um, oh yeah, just just amazing. Just like in terms of indie rock zines, I I would I would say that that is the that's yeah. the uh, that's the top top shelf. Like presentation, writing, taste is all yeah. kind of up there. The graphics are obviously like yeah. incredible. Yeah, uh, trying to think of any. Oh, oh uh, another great one that I'd forgotten about until I just went to my rack. Grand Royal was really Grand good. Ro yes, Remember I Grand mean, Royal? Definitely a motor so connection there. Yes. Yeah. Like. Yeah. yeah I mean, and it's like a this is pro, and it's and it's really funny, and it's like every mag every issue would have like something really obscure that I was really 
into, like the fabulous stains. Lots of cool little short things. You can just sort yeah. of open really good toilet yeah. literature, right? Al Jackson Jr. from Stax. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, New York Rocker. New York Rocker. I, that's on Amazing. my list here. Yeah, Is absolutely. It? Were you a fan? Oh, loved it. But it, was, it, it wasn't easy to get. And I remember, that's not this one. Uh, before I'd even heard R.E.M., it, it, there was a back cover ad for um, Chronic Town, which I think is 40 years old this month. You know, and it was just a picture of, of the gargoyle. And I, I remember thinking, oh, they're like, they're, they're like a synth band or something. A and, <laughs> and so I kind of avoided hearing them. Like I avoided the record. And then a friend of mine gave me a, 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 a compilation tape and it had, had one side of Chronic Town on it. And I, I, my family and I went on a, on a trip somewhere not super far. And uh, I listened to the whole thing. It was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. I loved it. And uh, had I not seen the uh, that back cover ad, I, I might have listened to it way earlier. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. No depression. You're kind of a roots rocker guy. Oh, yes. Like the alt country kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, loved it. Uh, would read every, would devour every issue. Um was in it a couple times. I I, uh, I played on a couple solo records uh, by Jay Farrar, who I used to always joke was the owner of No Depression magazine. Yeah, it was a genre of music I still love, but I I didn't really play that much. You know, but I I I, I love all that stuff. And it's funny one time, one time I was I was doing a tour. Uh, ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie and Jay Farrar made a soundtrack record. It was for a documentary on um. Jack Kerouac and his time in um, Big Sur. Hmm. And so I guess, I guess he maybe he wrote these letters or he just had poems or something. And um, they found these poems and, and they made a record just based on, on the thing. And, and so they did a short tour for it. And I was the drummer in the band. And at one point we were we were in the in the van and we we're just talking about bands that were getting back together that were playing reunions and you never thought they'd get back together. And at one point, Jay, Jay goes... Hey John, what band do you think? What's the one band you think should like that most people want to get back together that you know that like hasn't yet? And I was just I was just thinking, well, it's it's you guys, it's it, it's Uncle Tupelo, yeah. And, and it just like it never occurred to him. I thought so that was the funniest thing. Like I I thought he was fishing at first, yeah. But but he wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so, well, that's lovely. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna riff off that. What's the one magazine or fanzine you wish could come back? all of these well like i i i loved what what grand royal was doing in that there there was such a wide swath of interests that were covered you know what i mean like there was literally something for everybody in this mm -hmm. and, and it was all well done and i hate i hate when people describe things as being smart but very smart here's one i i read religiously musician magazine from like I want to say 80 to 90 or so and just really great. Like this was, this was the top shelf of like, it, it wasn't like for, for musos, but it, it you know, like it, it covered a lot of, I mean, like it, it was more intricate and more, a little more of a deep dive into the mechanics of making music than uh, most zines, but, but, it, but like still the, 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 got, the person on the street could just pick it up and get, and get it like and understand. But that was a huge magazine for me through my my formative years 
and, and every now and then, like, there'd be an, a, a blurb on the replacements. Like, the replacements had just put out Hootenanny or Let It Be, and there was, mm -hmm. like, like, oh, wow, they're, they're a real band then. They're a musician. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Legit. Yeah. I'll throw out a couple of names of writers. Lester Banks. Great. Love uh, Carburetor Dung. It's interesting. Like, he, he was into punk rock. He liked punk rock. Yes. But he didn't. He he was he he remained himself. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. never. He always looked exactly the same. Had the mustache, slobby kind of guy. Totally. And uh, so he was great. I loved his, I loved his stuff. Um, who else? Meltzer. Yep. Oh yeah. You ever you never had an idea what Meltzer actually thought about music? He was always just right. kind of. Yeah. You never know where he stood always, and he wasn't always like Lester Banks had good, interesting taste. Meltzer, you never know where he stood on stuff unless he absolutely loved it. It was more of like the experience of reading him was kind of the joy. Yeah, Who, who's the one, it might it might be either of them, where they were assigned something and they didn't go to the show and they just made it all up the next day and printed it. Uh, I can't remember who it was. Meltzer, like, like Meltzer that, did a lot amazing. of that stuff. Like he, <laughs> for the, in the nineties for San Diego reader, they, they assigned, they just wanted his name on the masthead basically oh, okay, and he wanted okay. 50 bucks or whatever. So they're like, yeah, you just have to, um, you wanted to, you, we need you to do these like show reviews and album reviews. You basically just need to mention the name of the band in it. So he would just <laughs> talk in this inspired way about anything, just dancing around the thing and then just throw in like Guttermouth, the name of the band. <laughs> and, uh, and that was so it. Yeah. That's some of his best stuff, actually. I love it. That's really great. <laughs> so good. So good. John, I think I've taken up enough of your time, unless, oh. unless there's. I'm just, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. That's because I, I talk about this so rarely. I'm trying to try to think. I hope I don't leave anything out. Um, you have any other magazines back there? Not in this room. I think I, 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 I got the main ones here. Yeah. The, the main ones. That I'm trying, I, I try to think if there are any like other. There's one, there's a, like a nineties, two thousands, uh, something along the lines of motor videos called Chunklet. Yes. Out of, uh, out of Georgia. Yes. Is that one you ever like? Is that one that uh, that you ever got into? Yeah, or I I, I read it. I thought it, it it borrowed heavily from Motor Booty in, in terms Very, of it. Yes, a little like thing. a bit derivative. So, I thought it was really good, but a bit derivative. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and like like Motor Booty, it, it was as far as I know, it was laid out by a, a professional design guy. So that's that's why it looks yeah. so great. <laughs> the editor publisher was a graphic design guy. So yeah, crazy yeah. chops. Rolling oh, Stone, you know, things like that. Would you read like? Oh, back. Then, oh, absolutely. I I would read Rolling everything Stone. back then. I loved. Yeah. I loved like all of it, and uh, because there was nothing else to really take my attention away. And, and yeah. I was I was always on a train or something back then. Yeah. You know, like going to going to practice or going to a show. So there was always these forty five to an hour long blocks of time to kill. And so I would I was always reading that this stuff. So incredibly, I I think I retained a lot of it. There are times I, I I would beat myself up about that. It was like, oh my god, you wasted so much of your <laughs> of your life reading this stuff. But it all gets regurgitated now in best show calls. That's and, right. And and Tom is the same way. You know, Tom yeah. Tom Tom's one of the few people that you know that can sort of you know hold hold his own with a conversation like this. You know that yeah. sort of thing. So I was so lucky. <laughs> that I found a creative outlet for it. Oh my god, is, yeah. It's not something most of us can say. Yeah. Like I'm doing yeah. a, a podcast, but you you found something much more inspired yeah. i think yeah and it it uh i i 
I used to have this thought in my head over the years in Super Trunk where like every now and then I'd be reading a magazine and like I would get kind of busted on about like reading another rock or like reading another music magazine. And I was just thinking, well, if I was a professional lawyer <laughs> or a doctor, I'd want to know what was going on in the legal or the medical world. You know, I'd want to, yeah, I'd want to, I'd want to stay abreast of what's happening. Yeah. You know? so, is making out with. Absolutely. These things are important. Absolutely. It's his birthday today. So I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up. Uh, just the other day during a therapy session, I, qu I quoted a Steve Albini quote from that. I read in, in a great, uh, California zine called called Ink Disease. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Mid mid eighties, I think. Uh, and it was basically all the best bands think they suck. Yeah. And and I I believe that I I still I still hold to that. So yeah, I, I just I just think that you know thirty five years later, however it's long, I I would use that quote in, in ca casual conversation with someone who has no connection to that world at, at all. <laughs> so it lives. It lives. It lives. <laughs> One more conflict, Gerard Cosloy. How do oh, I address you? Conflict. A very similar experience as Force Exposure, where I probably like ten percent of, of of what he he was writing about, but yep. the most entertaining, both those guys, Byron Coley and Jimmy Johnson, and uh, Gerard. Uh, God, they're so funny. Pa Patrick Amory from uh, to, uh, Mad Mad uh, had a great one. It was only two issues, I think, called Too Fun, Too Huge. Yeah, there's there's one issue floating online that uh, there's a PDF of it I've seen. It's great. It's really, he's, <laughs> he's a hard you, ass. Like, he's you really like, unforgiving. Oh, oh yeah. And yeah. to show you, like, like the metamorphosis of his taste or whatever, first, there's two, as far as I know, there's two issues. First issue on the cover is... Um, I think it's Glenn Danzig. It's a Sam Haynes show or, or it's, and there was, or it was, there was a huge interview with both Dag Nasty and the descendants in there. So, so yeah. like that was the first issue cover of the second issue, Fairport convention. <laughs> that's right. that's right. I mean, that's the evolution of, so, I mean, you look at the early forced exposures yeah. when these guys are Sam the diapers. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's like SSD and, yeah. I, but you know Boston hardcore, and it's it's good stuff. I love Jerry's Kids and all that stuff. But then it's like Burma and um, yeah, all, all this other like yeah stuff that makes Yoko Ono look very tame. Oh yeah, such a great such a great zine conflict, and um, and I, I I remember being really mind blown and and very very happy to see that he was a fan of this guy, uh, Tommy Keane. Uh, kind of pa power pop uh, guy made records in the eighties and the nineties. He, I played with him in uh, the band we had with Robert Pollard when Robert Pollard first went solo from guided by voices. Um, mm. he, 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 he died a few years ago, but just like super pop, like the, like one of the greatest pop, just pop rock songwriters ever. Uh, and right. Gerard loved him and, and put out most of his albums uh, in, in, in the nineties. And I just wow. thought that was amazing that Gerard could like this incredibly extreme, whatever, whatever the, I'm trying to think of, of a good example of, of what he, like Suck Dog or Royal yeah. Trucks or, or whatever. And then he, but he also loved Tommy Keene. So totally. I think that, you know, he really won me over with that also, besides the, the awesome uh, writing that he did. And I remember, <laughs> I remember this great, this great quote, uh, a friend of mine, uh, his name is Phil. He lived mm. in, in the village at the heyday during all this stuff. And I would come up and visit him. So we're talking late eighties and, and, uh, 
and he he said, I bought a, a copy of Conflict from Gerard at a show last night. And uh, and he said, Gerard said, Phil, I always love seeing you, but I I, I, I love accepting money from you even more. It's as, as like he took the dollar for the zine or whatever it was. So I love it. Thank you to John for taking the time to chat. Check him out on The Best Show every Tuesday night from 9 to 12 at bestshow.net. Also, go see him live with Super Chunk or the Mountain Goats or Bob Mould any chance you get. You will not regret it. And that's it for us at Rock Crit. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and rating. Tell a friend. Appreciate it. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. Our handle is at RockCritPod. Always happy to hear from listeners. Take good care. See you soon. Thank you.